welcome to the show. I'm Jackie Mitchell. This is where we pick the best brains in the business world and you, the listener, feel like you are eavesdropping on a really interesting coffee conversation to give you and your business the inside edge. We take a look into the business mindsets of leaders and brands and probe into how they think, feel, learn, manage teams and themselves. We love sharing the knowledge and serve brain food to keep your business mind healthy. To continue the conversation, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So, while our first guest settles in, orders their coffee, grab yourself one and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Our next guest is a digital executive. We like to know lots about digital. It's the way the world is going. He's an adjunct professor, author and a business advisor. He is an internationally recognised innovator, thinker and pragmatist. Oh, I need to know this person a bit more. Let's have a conversation now as I'd like to welcome to the show David Banger. Thank you, Jackie, and it's great to be here. Really good to have you here. Now, <laughs> I love that that title uh, about um, you being an interna- internationally recognised innovator, a thinker and pragmatist. Tell me a bit more about that. Well, I have had a range of roles throughout my career, which has spanned some 30 years in various different industries, and those experiences have enabled me to really look at problems Mm. and to frame problems differently for organisations and create some practical actions. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. And that's one of the reasons why I've written my book called Digital is Everyone's Business. Yes, I've got that, a guide to transition. And, and I, I had a look through it and I, I the first question I had and I thought to myself, what's the difference between disruption and innovation? What's your view? A lot of organisations talk about disruption Mm. and for me, disruption happens within an industry. And that, if we look at the taxi industry, which is a very common example, has occurred a lot because potentially organisations haven't innovated within the industry that they're operating within. And when I talk to organisations about disruption and innovation, I say disruption is something that will happen to the external industry that you're a part of. The role that you're going to play in the industry is dependent on how much you're willing to innovate internally to bring something different. And I need to declare a footnote here is that I don't think everything will be disrupted either. And that's why I've written a book, is for those organisations that can transition into the industry as it evolves, as opposed to possibly thinking about disruption. Okay. Why don't you think they'll be all disrupted? Jackie, did you, where did you buy your coffee this morning? Oh I, oh, I made it at home. You made it at home? Yeah. Probably some of our listeners do have a regular coffee shop sure. with a regular relationship with their barista or yeah. a favourite restaurant. And not everything will be depersonalised and produced at scale. It'll mm. change. There's yeah. no doubt it'll change. Mm. But there'll still be a role for some businesses to play within the broader community. And the reality is, the world's population is growing. So there'll be some orchestration of services that will be at scale and will be automated, but there will still be an opportunity for some people to have those personal services. And I think organisations need to look at how they personalise some of those services mm. and what role they play for their customers. Yeah, it's a good point. Sometimes the, the advent of digital 
uh, has d distracted the focus from you're still dealing with human beings, you're still dealing with people, uh, not get such caught on algorithms but actually thinking about who, um, who the people are, who your customers or potential customers are. And this is a key point because your people will interact and people interact with things that they now value. Mm. So we're all very time poor and there's things that as a business I offer as a radio host, you offer, and we know that there's some content that resonates with people. We need to continue to explore that content or that data that people are interacting with in a digital world and then look at how we can allow them to transact on it. And that is the future of the business, of that business model in a digital world. And that transaction may be enabled by a digital platform. But the foundations of business still remain. It is all about service and it is all about a market and the people that you're servicing in that market. Yeah, it's so good, to, so good to hear that. So what's the key to selecting the right digital initiatives to ensure long-term survival, or even more than survival, to thrive rather than just survive? Within the book, Jackie, we outlay five key steps. And the first piece is about understanding the work that you're doing today that may not be that relevant in the future. And there's some work within organisations or that we currently do that we've just done and we need to challenge ourselves whether that needs to continue and look at rationalising that work. Mm. That is the first point. The next point is, is how transparent are you on the people that service your business? The technology partners, the partners that you actually interact with your business and look at the requirements on those partners for your business. So getting really, really clear on the work that you have remaining and the partners that are involved in that how are you still remaining relevant? So what are you doing to make sure that the risks that may potentially uh, manifest in your industry or within your organisation are appropriately understood and you continue to remain relevant? Then the other point that we touched on briefly earlier is we then think about innovation and looking at how your organisation could innovate internally. And some of these things will be very sensible things to do. Some of them will be mid-term things to do, such as concrete suggestions. And some of them may be a little bit bigger, such as big dreams. And I was with an organisation the other week who interviewed me, very similar to yourself, who initially started off doing face-to-face -face VHS interviews, moved to cassettes, and now actually a podcast uh, specialist. And they've been able to move with the times. And you need to think about how your business will move with the times and look at the global market to be inspired by some of that. And then the final piece is just around a digital model and understanding that where you're at within your market, is it an early market that you're servicing or a mature market? Because that will determine the types of services and how you differentiate in that market. And then finally acknowledging that you need to have a growth mindset and just continue to learn and be very externally focused and not be too wedded on things as you continue to evolve and iterate. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned the, that growth mindset. It's a real theme now that I'm so pleased that many business leaders are now uh, talking about Carol Dweck's work. Uh, I think it was 2007 when she did the growth versus fixed mindset is really having a great impact on business leader thinking uh, and how important a growth mindset is. So, David, how does a growth mindset set the right conditions for, for learning and growing your business? I think with a lot of the clients that I work with, I often talk to the CEO or the C-level suite and I explain to them the way they 
think that business is operated to date is probably going to change in the digital world. And that we need to acknowledge that the leaders of these organisations probably began their career prior to the internet. The people working with in the organisations have possibly, the majority of them, or a large portion of them, and I need to be careful here, have worked for a lot of their career with the internet. Mm. And next year, 40% of anybody's customers are going to be people who only know of the internet. And so it's really important these senior people understand that there is a shift in society around how people would like to consume services and interact with organisations, and they remain open to these new business models, these new ways of thinking within the emerging generation within our country, but also global generations who are emerging for the first time possibly out of the third third world into the new world, into the into the twenty twenties, and looking at how they best service them. And organizations who do that will actually cultivate from ideas from within and be able to reference them that are appropriate for implementation within their business. And that's probably the biggest shift that I've seen as opposed to mm. organisations at people at the most senior levels telling and knowing is actually exploring and learning. And that's the big difference I've seen from the growth mindset movement. Yeah, it's, it's, those that are, are listening to this and want to find out more, there's so much information on it. And you can find out more about David Banger by checking in with him on Twitter, you're on Facebook, you're LinkedIn, of course, and on Instagram, which is wonderful, easy to find. And your website is davidbanger.com, David. And I'm assuming you can get your book anywhere books are sold. Anywhere. Anywhere, that's it. Brilliant. And have you done the audio version yet? Not yet. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Something for next year. Yeah, something definitely something for next year. Well, congratulations. Uh, are looking at the testimonials. There's some familiar names in there. Very exciting, and uh, we wish you continued success. Thank you very much for your important time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back. Our next guest is a thought leader, an academic in the field of management, leadership, and organisational change. He's a lecturer at Charles Sturt University, has over 30 years business experience and has taught the topics of management, accounting, business strategy, international business and leadership. I'd love to welcome to the program Dr Matt McDonald. Hi Matt. Hi Jackie, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Oh, actually, I've said McDonald. It's Donald, isn't it? Matt yeah, Mc- it's Donald, yes. Matt Donald. I'm sorry, do, do people do that? Uh, yeah, it happened all the time. Oh, good. So it's not just me. All right. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, apologies, Dr. Matt Donald. Uh, yep. Really welcome. Welcome to the show, Matt. Now, you're, you've just released a book called Leading and Managing Change in the Age of Disruption and Artificial Intelligence. Wow. Big title. <laughs> uh, but it's a big book and it's a nice hardcover, which you don't see that uh, a lot these days so congratulations um so with the age of disruption tell me a little bit about what you mean by that yeah look the term disruption originally came from technology and it was really because technology um would come and change things very quickly and and disrupt the business and disrupt the way things were done um, but that term's now um, broadened, not, not because of technology, but the way technology and, and even globalisation have enabled um, change to happen much much faster and in, in 
more suddenly than uh, what, what would have been the case before. So, um, you know, we can now um, include in disruption uh, things like um, presidential tweets, um, trade wars, um, new technology, climate changes. All these things are happening, um, you know, pretty much on a daily basis these days, but they happen very quickly because we've now got social media and we've got the internet and we've got globalisation that just facilitates change so fast. Yeah. What's In your view, Matt, what's the difference between disruption and innovation? Uh, look, disruption is really about um, yeah, things that change that you can't predict and they've got a lot of risk associated with them, mm. whereas innovation is really... And I think um, in a disruptive world, we need, we're going to need lots of creativity and innovation because we're going to need new ways of um, coping with um, what's thrown at us um, because... Um, you know, a business today can, you know, can't just focus on its um, sales and its own um, profits. It's now connected to the world through the internet and, and um, you know, a new um, invention or, um, you know, artificial intelligence, anything like that happens today, the business is so much connected um, to it. So we can't imagine too many businesses still left uh, just operating in cash that wouldn't have a an FPOS machine or plugged into um, having a web presence or social media. Mm. So there's, um, you know, there's so much happening that um, it, the way forward will be that um, businesses will need to um, to be innovative to be able to cope with this change because it's, it's not like you're just going to have one or two changes. They're likely to be ongoing and overlapping and all this uh, sort of... Um, change that'll put so much pressure on businesses in the future. Yeah, well, there's a lot of talk at the moment around AI, or as it stands for artificial intelligence, but it sort of, it reminds me sort of back in the mid-90s when people were talking about social media, the next big thing, but people weren't really sure about what that meant, and I think it's, I'm feeling a sense of the same sort of people talking about AI, but not really understanding what it means or how it may affect their their business and uh, you mentioned in your book that preparation is key to survival so how do people how do business people prepare for AI? Yeah look I think the um, the thing like you say the, the first thing is what is artificial intelligence and some people sort of think of it as just like another machine that might come along and mm. it's a bit dumb and clunky and they'll be able to use it somehow but um, with um, when you look at um, 5G and um, some of the um, faster internet speeds, um, logarithms that we've seen in social media, um, artificial intelligence is, um, you know, it's likely to be so much more. It'll be, um, yeah, but it won't ha- all happen at once. So um, you know, I've, I've written a fair bit about um, the fact that, you know, we can't expect artificial intelligence to just turn up and take millions of jobs. It won't happen that way. It'll happen more like our... Um, our iPhones and, and stuff, you'll get upgrades and upgrades and upgrades. And so over time, it'll become more sophisticated to be able to make its own um, its own decision-making. Um, and, um, you know, for some people, that'll be threatening. And for other people, there'll be um, a whole lot of um, menial tasks that'll, that'll just disappear and it'll um, enable um, workplaces to, um, to go in new directions. Right. So what can business do to future-proof their organisation or their business? Yeah, look, I think um, the first thing is to understand um, what um, artificial intelligence is and, and the potential for it to, um, you know, to 
to um, be taken over by by business. You know, business will still, I think, um, uh, operate on on the basis that you know what's in it for me. You know, what what's the savings that um, I'm going to get out of this uh, artificial intelligence? Mm. Um, but from a from a management point of view, there's a lot to, a lot of new things that that will change. First of all, being um, able to integrate um, with um, you know the uh, Human workers with the artificial intelligence. You know who's going to have who's going to have the um, you know a say in um, in decision making. Mm. Um, initially, it's probably still going to be the human, but over time, you might expect that artificial intelligence to be so smart that you know just make more um, correct decisions than perhaps the human equivalent. Mm. Um, but but it will lack, and I suspect this will be for at least um, you know 10, 20 years. It'll lack. Um, empathy and social um, understanding so that, um, you know, your artificial intelligence may um, come up with some fantastic new uh, transactions uh, or new ways of doing things, um, but somebody in the business, and um, this is what I put back on the business owners and the managers, is who's going to make the decision to say, well, no, that's harming the poor or it's not good for our customers, you know, these sorts of more uh, human um, emotions will still have to be um, put over those artificial intelligence uh, decisions for quite some time. Yeah, it's look, it's such a interesting area. So, with the uh, I suppose the the rise of the millennial workforce, what are some of the demands of them that uh, business owners that are maybe Gen X have to adapt to? Well, that, that's right. I think. Um, you know, as, as we go into this new age, um, some of the work that's going to be left may not be that interesting and it's certainly going to be, you know, um, part work, um, you know, will be blending roles together because the artificial intelligence will take over elements of a whole range of work and the, the people that are left um, will um, may not always want to work in, in that environment. Um, you know, imagine working with artificial intelligence that never stops. It doesn't take a break. It doesn't ask you how you um, went on the weekend, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to lack a lot of social interaction. Yeah. So it's going to be harder to attract good employees. And so the um, the manager of the future will need to be able to, um, you know, to, to work through um, being more flexible, um, meeting some of the needs. So we might find that Gen Z um, says, well, no, I, I want to um, take my laptop and... Um, and travel overseas, but I'll still work when, whenever you need me to work. Mm. Um, for managers today, that would be, for a whole lot of managers, that'll just be so um, foreign that they'll just say no. And yet the, the organisation that can be flexible and find new solutions more likely um, retain and attract um, the, um, the better workers of the future. Yeah, uh, look, I think that's, that's really good advice. Matt, just uh, your interesting career, your career path... Uh, over the time, has there been some sort of philosophy or someone's given you some advice or a pearl of wisdom that you've taken through that you use to this day? Um, yeah, look, I, I've had, um, I've been I'm fairly lucky over the years to have some really good managers and, um, you know, those people, have all, well, one in particular, always said to me, you know, don't um, come to the table with um, anything that you don't really believe in. So even if it's, you know, I remember at the time I was um, advising the, like the marketing team. He said, don't don't bring the budget to me. Don't don't um, just say it's a set of numbers. You know, really understand and spend the time um, going through the um, 
through the detail and, and having an opinion on that mm. um, before you bring it to me because he says there's you know I want you to you know, I want you to um, really buy into the decision making um, and so you know but for me that's at times meant um, asking lots and lots of dumb questions or or um, uh, maybe going against some of the um, you know the general thinking in the room. Um, and at times that hasn't always been popular, but at other times people, you know, I've had other managers say to me, um, oh, thanks for that really great idea because um, nobody else was prepared to um, either put it on the table or, or even talk about it. Yeah, I think that's great advice uh, about having your own opinion or forming your own opinion. Someone said something, oh, not dissimilar to me earlier in my career. Uh, and just, you know, go away, have a think about it, prove to me that you've that you've thought about it prove to me that you've you've got some buy-in and done some background and made a bit of an effort really uh, and come to me with one or two recommendations it doesn't mean I have to take them but at least have a have a view have an opinion and really encouraging that I think that was wise advice yeah it's, it's so true and, and being in business for as long as I have it's it's really um it's so easy for um leaders particularly if they're dominant and maybe they've got lots of experience to um end up with all oh, yes people under them because um, you know they know a lot and people respect them and so they just don't speak up mm. whereas um, you know really good leaders are um, always prodding and looking for um, looking for the alternative opinion so they can weigh it up in their mind yeah. yeah exactly and it doesn't have to be the exact right answer we're so we've got this I don't know this culture sometimes in business of getting it right all the time but the but the opinion might then you know have this uh, effect of this cascading effect of it might lead to something else it's just opening up different mental doorways to particular you know doors that might be the uh the, the solution to the problem that you've got well exactly and I, I see a lot of um a lot of business today is fairly political and people are um you know i guess a lot of pressure on senior managers to you know to show their managers or show their boards that they're in control they know what's going on everything's Everything's um, organised, mm. um, but in a in a in a team sense, that's really not the way to go forward because um, you're just stifling all this diversity of opinions. And you know, in this disruptive world I'm talking about, is um, things are going to uh, occur that we've never thought of. Um, and unless you've got everybody's um, ideas on the table, you're not necessarily going to find the best one. Exactly right. That's a really good way to finish up, Matt. Really appreciate your time. Anyone who wants to continue the conversation, uh, they can, well, firstly, read your book, uh, Leadership, uh, Leading and Managing Change in the Age of Disruption and Artificial Intelligence by Dr Matthew Donald. I got that right this time. And, uh, and people can find you online. It's drmatt.online is your yeah, website. You hang out at Twitter and you're on LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, people can buy your book, I'm assuming, anywhere you can buy books. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's at all the um, good bookstores. It's at Amazon as well, of course, but um, most of the Australian bookstores have got it, yeah. Fantastic. Really appreciate your time today, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Our next guest is a futurist, sought-after conference speaker, author and consultant who gives you a glimpse into what's ahead and how you can become fit for the future in your professional and personal life. Forbes magazine rated him the number five social media influencer in the world. 
in his area of expertise. He has just written his 12th book. That's right, you heard me, 12th book, Disruption by Design. Welcome to the show, Gihan Pereira. Thanks very much, Jackie. Great to be here. Really good to have you here. Now, your 12th book, where do you find the time and energy to do all this writing? I know, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? But yeah, look, I really enjoy writing. I really enjoy getting my ideas out there. And uh, quite often it's speaking, sometimes it's training, but I really enjoy writing as well. Yeah. Have you always been a writer, like from when you were young? Well, I come from a family who's been very good at writing Mm. and acting. My mother was an actress. Uh, My two sisters have uh, uh, teachers. One of them's an English teacher. So, yeah, maybe I've got it in my genes, Jackie. I think I think that's it's certainly there because it's uh, that's a great achievement. Your twelfth book, disrupt disruption by design. Now, tell me, how did you come up with that title? Well, see, the thing is that uh, after people are talking to me about disruption and they're saying mm. our business is going to be disrupted, our industry is going to be disrupted, and a lot of people seem to have view that there's nothing they can do about it. They just have to wait and eventually disruption is going to hit them. And uh, I don't think that has to be the case. Uh, you don't have to be a complete disruptor for your industry, but you do have to disrupt yourself in business. And uh, most businesses, especially the businesses that have been around for a while, they get caught up in what's worked for them in the past. So they don't innovate enough based on future customers, future problems, the way the world is changing. And so what happens is somebody else comes along and disrupts their business and their industry. Everyone talks about Uber and what it's done to the taxi industry, but it's a perfect example because the taxi industry has worked the way it's always worked and hasn't really had much incentive to change. And then Uber comes along, and most of the things that Uber does, the taxi industry could have done, but chose not to do. And so Uber disrupted the taxi industry. And if you want to innovate and you want to not be disrupted, then what you've got to do is be like those startups who are coming in and looking at the world now and solving the problems that customers have now. So it's kind of like disrupting yourself. So in, in fact, earlier uh, uh, version of the book, I was going to call it Disrupt Yourself, and then I found there are a couple of other books out there already with that name. So um, I renamed it Disruption by Design, and I think that's actually a better name because you're disrupting yourself and you're doing it by design rather than waiting for somebody else to come and do it to you. Yeah, by default or design, it's going to happen. So design's always going to be the preferable path, I'd absolutely. imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you think innovation and- has replaced... Sorry, do you think that the word disruption has replaced innovation in business? Yeah, in fact, I think they're exactly the same thing. It's disruption mm. when it happens to you. It's innovation when you do it yourself. So really, this is a book about innovation because innovation doesn't mean you have to invent a new iPhone. Innovation means finding new ways to solve customer problems, so understanding what problems there are out there in the world and understanding and finding ways that you can solve those problems. And uh, lots of businesses have forgotten their customers. Uh, so they, they started off with the right intent, but then they built their products and services and systems and processes and fell in love with those and forgot about their customers and their real problems. And what's typically happened is that customers have changed. Uh, we know this, that our world is changing really fast, and that means that customers are changing really fast as well. Mm. And if you, if you have been tracking your customers, great. But if you haven't, then you're in trouble. So I, I think one of the best examples of this, Jackie, is Netflix. So Netflix provides high-quality movies in the home for people. 
Now, it started off, it's now one of the biggest um, streaming companies in the world, online media streaming, but it started as a DVD rental company. And they knew that they were competing with Blockbuster. And the problem that Blockbuster customers had was they never, they, they liked renting movies, but they didn't like returning them. So Netflix solved that problem by providing a, a return service. So you rent movies from Netflix and then you get, you know, in a post pack. And that worked really well. And then what happened was the the industry changed and technology changed, so the broadband internet became really good. And Netflix said, oh, there's now, now a new way to solve the customer's problems with new technology. So they gave up their a physical DVD delivery business and they went into online streaming. And uh, so then they were solving the same problem, getting movies into people's homes, but in a different way. Um, and then the, so the movie companies initially were really happy with Netflix because it was another way for them to license their content. But then they became a bit wary because they saw Netflix as a real competitor to them. Mm. So they stopped licensing it. So Netflix now, had, they had their own problem. They still want to provide high-quality movies, but they weren't getting the content. So they created their own movie studio. And again, what they were doing was looking at what problem that the customer wants solved and how can they solve it. And they went through all these transformations because they didn't stick to what they thought would work really well, like at the start. They didn't try to do better DVD delivery. They looked at what's the problem that we can solve for our customers. And that's really what innovation is about. It's about looking at your customers, their problems, and how do we solve them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great example. Now, with uh, the terrible story recently of Thomas Cook, uh, what what are your what are your views on that? What, uh, why do you think they failed? Yeah, so without going into any specific business, mm. uh, this is one of those industries, the travel industry, that like many others, it is an industry where the the power has shifted, and it's shifted from the business or the industry to their customers. So it used to be, and I remember the days, Jackie, when if you wanted to book some travel, you had to go to a travel agent. Mm. This is pre-internet, pre-web, because you couldn't get the information anywhere else. Um, I mean, you could ring up the airlines, but uh, you'd be on hold for an hour. Uh, you could ring up hotels, but you'd have to find where they were, and it's not easy to do that. So you'd go to a travel agent, because a travel agent would have access to all the information to be able to provide that service to you. And that's changed now. So now customers have the information, and they come into a travel agent with their with their itinerary sometimes planned out, and they know exactly where they want to go. They want they just go to the travel agent maybe to to get a better deal from them. And uh, it, this is not just in travel, but it's in many industries as well. And um, car sales. It used to be that if you go to a, when you want to buy a new car, you go to the dealer, and the dealer had all the power because they had all the information. Uh, so recently, we bought a car for my stepson, and we went in with all the information. So we did the online search first. We found the sort of car he wanted. We had a look at um, what it would be worth and what a second-hand version of the car would be worth. We could look at exactly how much it would cost if we were going to finance it. So we went into the dealership with all the information. And this is what's changed now. There's so many industries and businesses that used to have power because they had information, and now they don't anymore. Mm. And it doesn't mean that they have to go out of business. It just means that they haven't understood the shift in power now. So the customers come in with the information, so you have to partner with them to provide the solution rather than being the ones that has all the information and can be an advisor to them. 
Yeah, so disrupting yourself is a great strategy, but let's take it back a bit. What are some advice that you could give entrepreneurs or business owners is just how to stay ahead of the game. So rather than wait to be a Thomas Cook and it's been around a long time and all of a sudden the business has collapsed, what are some of the techniques or tips of keeping ahead of the game? Yeah, sure. So I think a really important thing to do is if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a leader and you're an experienced leader, just be careful because your expertise that's got you to where you are now isn't necessarily what's going to be uh, taking you into the future. So one of the most important things that you can do is listen. So listen to your customers, listen to your team members, uh, listen to other stakeholders uh, so that you can find out what's actually going to take you into the future. And I reckon one of the best things you can do is listen to people in your organization, even the really junior people. So in the book, I talk about mentoring, which is really good. It's something you should do. It's actually, you should share your experience with other people. But there's also reverse mentoring. And reverse mentoring is the idea that instead of you, the more senior person, mentoring the junior people, do it the other way around. So one of my clients, who was the CEO of a, a law firm, she just retired, uh, she used to do this. So she would, every three months, she would choose somebody or ask somebody a younger to mentor her. Like younger, went younger in one of three ways. Either they were actually younger in terms of age, mm. or they were younger in terms of how much experience they had in law, or they were younger in the firm. So that was a, a, a new recruit that could have been at any level. But Janet would go to that person and for, for the next three months, every week or so, they'd have a coffee together and Janet would be the person being mentored. Now she was really experienced. She was the CEO of this firm but she was smart enough to realize that here are other people who had different expertise, different perspectives about how the firm should run. And she would just be there. She would give the person permission to uh, give any sort of suggestions, advice, experience, and then she would be the one who was learning from it. Just, just one example of being a really good listener. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great tip and great advice for anyone listening is that reverse mentoring because you're not over-investing uh, your resources. But the other thing too is that it's tapping into the generational shift. So it's not sticking in your lane as far as your generation is concerned. It's actually really engaging and getting an understanding of the millennials which do think differently than other generations before and, and they are the future. So I think that's that's really, really, really good tip. Yeah, thanks, Jackie. And the other thing I think about you know, those generations, and you're exactly right, is that you know, somebody said to me, uh, I heard a speaker say recently, um, nobody likes change. We all hate change, but we have to go through it. And I don't think that's true. There are some people who like change, the millennials, Gen, uh, Gen Y, mm. and, of course, they love change. They embrace change. They're mm. bored if, they, if change isn't happening. And why aren't we looking at them to be our teachers as 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 we're going into the future. They're the ones who actually are looking forward to change. Mm. And uh, everyone's saying the world's changing too fast and it's changing too fast for us. We don't know what to do. Well, there are people in your team, in your business, that actually do know what to do. And that maybe you're not taking advantage of them because you're just seeing them as really junior people who don't have a lot of experience, they don't have a lot of insights, they don't have a lot of wisdom. And some of that might be true, but they've also got other things that you may not be tapping into. Yeah, look, that's that's a really nice way to finish 
Uh, now, if people want to find out more about you and your ideas, where would they go searching? Um, look, I reckon the best place to do it is to start by going to disruptionbydesign.com.au. Okay, that's good. And you're on Twitter and you're on LinkedIn. Uh, your book, Disruption by Design, Leading the Change in a Fast-Changing World. Do you think it's the fastest the world's ever been from a business perspective or is it just a moment in time? No, no, it, it's definitely the fastest. I, I heard another speaker say recently something which I don't think is... Uh, it sounds clever, but it's not really that profound. He said it's, uh, the world's never been as fast as a change has never been as fast as it is now, and it will never be as slow again as it is now. And that's true. But what's changed is that in the past, the change was happening slow enough for us to be able to adapt to it. Mm. And uh, so we, we would go through, like literally humans would go through uh, many generations, like three generations and uh, in a century. And in that century, there wouldn't be a huge amount of change. It was still happening faster than before. But now we're going through that kind of change in a, in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And so we need to be able to adapt without, uh, in a way that we've never had to before. So that's the biggest change that's happened, Jackie. And it, it means that you know, businesses used to be able to succeed by building on what they've done in the past. And that's just not the case anymore. Now what you've done in the past might be holding you back from success in the future, and that's what disruption is, is really all about. It's you being able to change faster than the world's changing around you. That's a nice way to finish. Gihan Pereira, thank you so much for your foresight, insight and time today. Thanks so much, Jackie. My thank pleasure. You. Thank you. You're listening to Taking Care of Business as we eavesdrop on the best brains in the business world. We were right back. Taking Care of Business. That's the end of another stimulating show. We hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on our conversation, picked up some tips, learned something new, or at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you've missed a lot, but the podcast will be available on my social media, Jackie Mitchell. Thank you to our worldly and thought-provoking guests. We look forward to your company next Friday. In the meantime, keep taking care of your business mindset.